Welcome back to the Talking Footy podcast. Each Wednesday across the footy season, we're going to talk with the biggest names in the game. I'm Tim Watson, and this week we're talking to Paul Salmon. As part of this podcast, I discuss with Fish how he nearly ended up at Carlton, dealing with the great Kevin Sheedy. But I was mesmerised by him. Not, so, not in a healthy way, I think, in retrospect. I, I kind of was in awe of him. Coping with newfound fame, he burst onto the scene what he's most proud of in his career. To me, playing 300 games after my Rico was the most the thing I'm most proud of. Dealing with a premiership loss and kicking 10 goals in a game and not being the best player on the ground. That was back in 1993. And of course, he's moved to Hawthorne and much, much more. He's a long-time teammate of mine, but he's since moved on to become, post-football, a successful businessman. We're talking footy. Well, Fish, um, let's go right back to the beginning as a child uh, in Ringwood, growing up. Football family? Footy family, uh, Tim, I was uh, the fourth son. Um, I've got three older brothers. Uh, so I had um, – it was a pretty competitive household. My dad was a local coach, uh, North Ringwood, Baronia. Um, so he was my first hero. Um, loved going to, watch, going to the local footy to watch him. Uh, lots of fond memories of that. You know, um, earliest earliest memory was uh, he went up to play footy for Kareng, Coach Kareng up in the northern districts. And um, But most of it was local, around home. And um, so I got happy memories, but it was a pretty competitive household. Uh, there's four boys within six years of right. another. And it was usually me pairing up with the oldest brother and the middle two, and it was on all the yeah. time, yeah. They built you around a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of scars, mate. Emotional. <laughs> Emotional And <ones>. otherwise. <laughs> no, so but it was what? good. It was very vibrant sort of a – it was a great great way to cut your teeth in terms of, yep. you know, you don't come inside, as you probably understand, you don't come inside until you've got a win. And yeah. and I was just um, – uh, I, I don't know if it was a, a, an asset or a, a liability, but I painfully, like a lot of athletes, competitive. I just, yeah. But almost to the extreme. I was, I was prepared to burn relationships on the basis of a win <laughs> or a loss. <laughs> Were your brothers talented footballers too? Oh, they would say they were, but I, <laughs> I think I think um, they were good athletes. You know, I, I remember just being uh, coming into primary school. My oldest brother just left primary school to go to high school, and and having um, other children in the school talk about my brother and he, you know, how quick he was, how good he was as a footballer. And my middle two brothers were always very fast too. So I have those memories of being um, prominent. In terms of a family, in that regard, but my oldest brother was the only one. He had a training run at Essendon, or a few. Um, broke his arm motorbiking, and he just didn't have. Uh, he would say he could have made it. But there's a lot of those people out there, isn't there? He was about six foot four, a big boy, key position. Um, but I don't think he had the level of commitment required. Yeah. What about the talent, uh, athletic talent in the family, like the extended family? Um, Nothing in note. Yeah, look, oh, maybe I did. Oh, yeah, look, the, dad was athletic. I mean, but again, uh, you know, his era dragged out of school one day, a good student, uh, as I understand it, and someone who loved his schooling at 15 or 16 to told by his dad to get to work in the bank. Um, so he spent, the rest, you know, 35 years of his life doing that. Um, and I think there was lots of factors that inhibited his his footballing progression, but it was a different era. Yeah. Um, and so I've got these romantic memories of Dad playing footy and, and, and carried them through to thinking he could have probably you know, ad- uh, applied himself pretty well. Um, but the fact is, no, I'm probably, as far as I know, the only one that sort of did anything of vague note in the sporting sphere. And um, But I was a bit of an anomaly too because although I had tall brothers, I was exceptionally tall, six yeah. foot nine, and, and um, blessed, uh, had nothing to do with me, of course, but blessed with a high level of athleticism when I was a kid. So I was, I was the quickest, I was the tallest, I was all, and, and that, with that came enormous, um, uh, and you don't understand it as a kid, but uh, enormous sort of apl- uh, implied pressure yeah. um, and expectation. Um, you know, my first memory of competing in a, something outside of my family backyard was a Christmas party. Uh, I think it was a Mason's Christmas party. My grandfather was uh, one. And great Christmas parties every year. And I, I went to line up in the under sevens race because I was six years old. And uh, But I was taller than most nine-year-olds at the yeah. time, you know. So I go to line up and this guy, this is how I remember it, So at six. Uh, he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm six. And he goes, no, you're not. Right? And I go, yes, I am. <laughs> and he goes, if you think you're six, you can start back there. And he, he started me 10 metres Probably five. Yeah. I'll give you five metres behind everyone else. 
And I just really wanted that pack of fruit tingles, which was the winner's, winner's prize. I just had this indelible mark in my brain this moment in time because it, it kind of reflected a lot of other incidences, you know, incidents throughout the rest of my life. So I started five metres back. I took the penalty and I won the race. So I got my fruit tingles. Um, he told me um, I didn't belong there, that I should be in the under, under nines or under tens. So that was my first exposure to prejudice against um, size and height. Yeah. 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 And, and that's interesting. Like, do you think that that was a recurring theme right throughout the course oh, no of your doubt. life? Yeah. No doubt. Oh, but that's not, that's not, I'm not affected by no, it. No, it's no, no. It's just something no. you actually learn to live with. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was blessed with some athleticism. I was quick. I was winning all my races at Little Athletics. And there were times where parents would, I'm uh, not, half baking it they literally chased me back to the tent where the school tent was and and questioned my validity in that race you know so it happened all the time not to exaggerate it but Mm. you know a number of times so it became uh, more of a normal part of my life and that's why I was quite sheepish when I get to the uh, Essendon footy club as a 15 16 year old um uh you know always I felt Young, I was actually trying to pull myself out back to assimilate, so I didn't actually have that pressure. Always trying to check myself, yep. so I didn't dominate. It was easier for me. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, you know, uh, I you don't have that sort of support at, in that era yeah. to try and work through how to best handle that. But um, yeah, no, I was blessed. I had yeah. Great family, loving family. Um, I love my sport. Um, passion, like you know, that's an obvious statement, isn't yeah. it? But who'd you uh, bag for as a kid? Uh, Mad Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. Had uh, dad was Hawthorne, so it made sense. Yeah, and who Hawthorne did you idolise as a kid? Uh, had Hutto's number on my back. Yeah, Peter Hudson. Yeah, yeah. Peter Hudson's number on my back. So the twenty six became a, a big part of okay. my life, um, and emulating him. Uh, but I loved also because I played in the ruck in junior footy, predominantly moving forward. Mm. Um, you know, I idolised Len Thompson and Peter Moore, these sort of guys. Yeah. Um, but you know. The the seventies era of Hawthorne for me um, has a lot of great memories. You know, mm. the grandfather. I never went to a league game before I played reserves footy at Essendon. You didn't go to a game. No, I'd never seen a league game before. Um, Only I, on the TV, obviously. That's, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So not live. I'd been to a state a state game at yeah. Waverley Park once, victorious for something. Um, a friend of mine, his name was Peter Banfield. Um, we grew up together. Yeah. He played Essendon and, and Brisbane. His dad was an editor at the Herald Sun at the time. Okay. Or, so he took me to that one. Um, yeah, so I didn't have a lot of exposure. Yeah, but did you want to play for Hawthorne then as a kid? Yeah, yeah. but having said that, as you recall, yeah. it was all zones. So yeah. even living locally in Ringwood, uh, we were we were zoned to Essendon, yeah. um, which was great. So I, uh, the conflict was I bagged for Hawthorne, but went to bed at night um, dreaming of playing for Essendon one yeah. day. So it was just a, a. At what age did you think that that dream was going to become a reality? Uh, what age? Um, I was probably always pretty misguided, young man, but I thought. Um, no, but if you're if you're the, you know like if you're big for your age and you're dominating footy and all that sort of stuff, I mean, I would think it would be reasonably early in your career. You'd be thinking, and people would be saying to you, "Oh, you'll go on and play." Yeah, it was happening. AFL. There was a carnival. Um, our, our school, our ladies' primary, I went to in Ringwood. We yeah. we used to do an annual carnival with a South Australian school, um, and I was over there playing this carnival. We used to play about three games in a week, and I just sort of had this clean sweep of the three games and played really well. And I just felt. Um, that was a time in uh, very early where I kind of thought, you know, that that, that I have something that I, I would like to, yeah. you know, better and yeah. improve on. So and then um, uh, I was 14, a, a quick anecdote, uh, I just moved into uh, Warrenwood, which is a neighbouring suburb of Ringwood, yeah. uh, but it was actually uh, Croydon Shire and Croydon was Carlton Zone. Oh, okay. So just a quick story, played a game, played pretty well. Peter Vanfield and I were in the same side, Gary O'Donnell, these sorts of guys. We had a pretty good side. Um, and uh, the scout, Gary Lewis, who was the scout for Essendon at the time, uh, in one of his more sober moments, <laughs> came onto the field. And I love Gary. We're not defaming him. Yeah. No, no, not really. He was a great man and um, uh, he's very kind and very generous to us boys. Uh, he came out with a bag with all the goodies. Um, and I must admit, a, f- a couple of us were looking at shops thinking, you know, we're going to get a towel or something. So he gave the bag to uh, well, someone he introduced as someone who's going to be an Essendon player one day. Um, he feels that he's got all the talent and he played really well today and he awarded it to Peter Banfield, right, um, which is fine. Yeah. No, no qualms with that. But he had a pair of socks left and he said, he said uh, another lad who I think has got a big future too, but unfortunately he's not an Essendon player anymore, um, uh, a pair of socks for Paul, right. So... Um, I went over to Gary. I don't know where this came from because yeah. I'm not really – How old are you now? 14. 14, okay. I don't know where this came from. I went over to Gary in the car park later because, <laughs> again, I've had four or five years of thinking yeah. S and S and S. And I said, 
could you check that for me? Because um, my uh, this is not my words at the time. Yeah. I'm just a stumbling 14 year old. I said my understanding is that I'm, I think I might be Essendon for a couple of years until the transition. And he goes, oh, look, my understanding is you're Carlton, but right. I'll look into it. Yeah. Anyway, three days later, he came back, came to the milk bar that my mum and dad owned, and with a what I think it was a Form Four back then. I signed my first contract at 14 and got my bag and my jumper after all, Here's my towel. Um, so I don't know if I saved myself from going to Carlton or... Um, so what would have been the qualification period, do you know? It was three years. It was three years. So yeah. you had to move into a particular I'm not zone sure. for three years. Correct. And I don't know why Gary... My, that's my recollection. Gary might have a totally different yeah. story on the angle to it, but that was my recollection of it. I, it it's it's pretty much in that, yeah. in that sphere, can, if you like. Yeah. Can you remember... Because it wasn't drafting in your day, was it? No, 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 it was all zoning. All zoning. So can you remember the first approach, official approach to go to Essen? Uh, that that was it. I got, oh, oh I, that was it. So yeah. the club just kept in contact with you. Did then they? I got a letter to join pre-season at, um, the, the next, next summer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And look, at that time um, uh, I was 15, I'm six foot yeah. seven. Yeah. And How um, much would you have weighed at that time? Yeah. Uh, 28 kilos. <laughs> it wasn't much to it. Um, I was I was probably in the 80s. You know, yeah. I was a skinny lad. Yeah, skinny. Yeah. But um, uh, it was a, it was an important decision at that stage because I'm 15. At that height, I wasn't getting much competition in the under 15s. I could have had another year in that yeah. 15, 16 bracket, or I could have gone into senior footy at North Ringwood. When I say could have, that yeah. was these are the options. Um, VFA. Uh, my brother had connections at Paran um, and Marshall College. One of the teachers at no, Norwood Secondary College was a Marsland coach or mm. administrator. And then there was yes and the So I had a training run at all of those. North Ringwood, I went down to Marsland and went down to Paran under yep. Mick Irwin. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that experience. And um, But I was young and Dad was just letting me make my own decision on this one. I just felt at the time uh, the under-19s in the system would have been better for me, not such a quantum leap because I was – Pretty raw, yeah. Um, so I went to the uh, went to Essendon summer of nineteen. Sheeds' first year, yeah, 80, 80, 81. Yeah. and um, had that summer. Had my first interaction with a guy who looked like a monster to me. We'd come out, we'd finished near the rear of the uh, time trial around cross keys. And it was a he had a beard and he just looked like to a fifteen year old, looked late twenties, looked like looked more towards the end than the start. And he was huge, and he sat down next to me and asked me how tall I was, where I was from, you know, what position I played, and I. Gave him all the information. He said, you know what, it's really not that important to be able to mark as a ruckman or or kick the ball. Uh, he said, it's all about your body work and tap work. He said, focus on that. And I remember leaving that conversation because I'd idolised Len Thompson and Peter Moore, so I wanted to be that running, bouncing yep. ruckman. And um, and I thought one of us isn't going to make it, you know, because that's not my philosophy. And it was Justin Madden. So, <laughs> Justin? Yeah. He went on to play 330-odd <laughs> games uh, doing it his way, yeah. 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 So that early um, – that first year then you played uh, under-19s, did mm. you? Yeah. And reserve grade football? No, I played the full year in the under-19s. Fortunately for me that year was the first year they allowed under-19 players to play Teal Cup. Yep. So I had that wonderful experience that year. Yep. Um, in front of – they didn't come to watch us, of course, but we played the final against South Australia in front of that 95,000 crowd yep. at Waverley. Who was um, in your Teal Cup side? I had some really top players uh, from Dermot Britton to Andrew yep. Buse um, to um, – uh, uh, Darst, Tim Darcy, we had, gosh, we had some uh, wonderful, wonderful footballers yeah. uh, in retrospect. The Adelaide side consisted of Tony Hall, Greg Anderson, yeah. uh, McIntosh, these yeah. sorts of boys. So, uh, And we came from six goals down at half time to win that game. Wonderful memory as a kid. Then I played the next year in Teal Cup as well at 17 and reserves footy for Essendon yeah. all that year. Sheeds um, have anything to do with you then? Uh, not much. No. He, he, no, Can no, you I remember the recall. first time he came up and started talking to you? <laughs> um, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't remember the first time. But I, I was mesmerised by him. Yeah. Uh, totally. We well, had that aura about him, didn't we? Yeah, you? yeah. And and not so, not in a healthy way, I think, in retrospect. I, I kind of was in awe of him. Yeah. And maybe there was an element of um, uh, being in fear of a guy too because yeah. he was a pretty yeah. uh, At that omnipresent state, sort of person. Well, when he was in the early days of his coaching, he was a fearsome character. He was brutal. Yeah, too. he was. He was yeah. brutal. He was fearsome. So he was so watchful. I'm not sure what you recall, but I was so impressionable. I was just watchful of everything I did. Yeah. Um, but there was people at the footy club in those days. Um, and interestingly, the two guys that I remember taking me under the wing the most, I would never have picked, and even in retrospect I don't know yeah. why, but Ron Andrews and Phil Carmen yeah. really looked after me. I just – it might have been only little things, but I remember, the, you know, walking onto the training track and Phil putting his arm around me and going, it could be a big night, stick with me, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it meant a lot to a young bloke, as it still does to young players coming into the system. Yeah. But she's – no, he didn't have a huge presence. But I remember in 82, 83, I was still a skinny – and I'd come run up in the Essendon Reserves, best and fairest, to Roy Ramsey. Yeah. Um, 
and played a couple of years at Till Cup and, and stuff. And uh, she's wanted me to build a body. So it was, um, he said, you're not coming out of the gym till you love it. And I, that's my first real interaction with Kevin. Yeah. That I can really recall that he yeah. was threatening me that you're not going home to Ringwood, you're not getting a taxi, um, you'll stay in the gym for an hour before you join the track. In those days, I was joining the track with my, not you know, Fred Lehman, their weights coach. Yeah. I couldn't lift my arms above my head. Yeah. But I, I learned to love him the gym. I bought one only yeah. 18 months later after yeah. my knee injury. Um, so he had a huge influence on my life, huge, yeah. um, as he did on a lot of blokes back then. But, you know, I had him from 15 to 31. And then again at 37, he's he's had a big presence. And I don't, sh- I'm not sure I really understand who he is or what he, what what he. Uh, I know what he stands for. I, I really respect so much about him, and he was yeah. like a second father figure in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, the relationship uh, is it, it's it's not exactly warm and fuzzy. It's warmish. It's warm in terms of what we've been through together. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not sure I'm explaining yeah. this well. No, no, no. I think that's, that uh, he actually had that's this, understandable. Yeah. Had that great ability to separate, didn't he? In yeah. A way. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and. I'll just – so what do you recall about your first game? Because we'll get onto sheets a little bit more in sure. detail later. First game, um, great memory, Sydney in Sydney, 983. Bombers' first game, Bomber Thompson yep. as well. So it was a bit of a uh, – we were in awe of our teammates. I remember just, you know, without embarrassing you, but, you know, um, I remember going on a training camp as a 16, 17-year-old and you joined us. Um, That's right. Graham, Don McKenzie drove the bus down and I'm yeah. sure you were on the bus at yeah. all. But and you sat on the back of the tailgate and smashed it in half, you is, blokes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have one of you offered to pay any money either. But that <laughs> well, I think you were only that. about 19 or 20 at the time <laughs> and we were only 16, yeah, 17. Yeah, no, you'd be younger. But you were, um, yeah, we, I was in awe of all you guys. Um, so you fly to Sydney to play that game? Sydney, yeah. uh, a guy named Daisy, Darren Williams, yeah. uh, was to pick me up. Yeah. Um, uh, as you can appreciate, I'd played, now once I found out I was in the side, yeah. I'm playing that game over and over in my head yeah. two days out. Yeah. Um, Daisy picks me up. Um, Dad said, are you going straight to the airport? In those days, there was no Eastern Freeway all the way. East Link, it was start end of Baldwin. The reason I mentioned that um, and I think we played on the same day as we travelled yeah. um, up in Sydney. So it was a time schedule. Timelines were pretty tight. It was early and we were to pick up Vander on the way. I said to Dad, yeah, we're picking up Vander. He goes, oh, okay. Because Dad, Dad played be against ready. Vander. And <laughs> um, he was a bit worried about that. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten this this little yarn because we, we did get to Vander's place. We tooted the horn on the street. Daisy had his 260Z, you know, the little yeah. orange thing he used to drive. Yeah. Um, my knees were up on the dashboard. It was a bit comical. But uh, no, no response to the tooting. Two or three times, Daisy said, we better go get him. Daisy's a pretty laconic sort of bloke. So he's laid back and I'm a bit antsy because I want to get to the airport and get there, don't want to stuff up. Um, the door was slightly ajar. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was pretty obvious there had been a card night or something the night before. Uh, there was cards on the ground. There were chip packets and stubbies and stuff. And and uh, this is totally uh, sort of 180 degrees from where I was you yeah. know, in my first game of league footy. Uh, so it smelled a bit too, you know, yeah. smoke and... Stuff. Um, then I heard the shower running. Daisy said, "That's Vander in the shower. Just let him know we're here." So I went in there, and um, it, uh, to my pleasant surprise, it wasn't Vander in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent a few seconds <laughs> just gathering myself, and it was Vander. Vander was, um, was his brother in the vicinity. Yeah. So I said, "Vander, um, you know, we're here." Uh, he told me to to leave the room quickly, um, which I did. And he came out moments later. He grabbed a few snacks from the fridge. Um, uh, which weren't entirely healthy snacks. No, you know, it, was, it was good to fill a hole. And His we got cigarette. in the car and we got to the ground. His cigarettes as well. Um, I can't remember the fags. But I um, I do remember having really enjoying that drive to the airport. Uh, Vander and Daisy were two interesting blokes together, yeah. you know, and particularly before a game. It really right. switched me off. So, yeah, we went to Sydney. We lost the game. And my first kick was left foot out in the full in the tight boundary <laughs> line. Um, but I was so thrilled to get that first touch and, and then I kicked a couple late in the game yeah. and I think we lost just right. first round 83 and um, I played nine games that year. Did you get uh, a game the next week? Yeah, he played the first two games. The next week was against the guy and I mean this with full sincerity. It was the only guy I felt fully actually threatened and intimidated by my whole career. I, I wasn't a combative footballer, as you know, I, I, but I'd never really felt overwhelmed by any opponent. Yeah. It was just they played a different way to me. But this guy was, you know, I was, I was actually scared of so Jeff Saru. Right? Oh, right, yeah. Had a, had a reputation. Yeah. And good, he came down to play. Good reason me. for that, too. He came down to play on me, Tim, and um, he's just into me straight away. It's my second game, and he had every right to be. And it kind of shapes you for when you're a senior yeah. player and you're introducing a younger player into the 
Was this a Moorabbin or Windy Hill? Windy Hill. Yeah. So um, I had this frightening thought that if I don't kick some early goals, then I'm just going to have to run as much as I can today just to avoid this play. <laughs> and he was threatening. He was threatening a lot of stuff, death and yeah. maiming, and you know, not just to me but my family. <laughs> and, um, I was very impressionable. Anyway, I, I did get a couple of early goals really early, first two or three minutes, and I remember the runner coming out and taking him off me. Yeah. And he was actually literally, he was still 40, 50 metres away. He's still turning around saying he'll be back and he's going to kill me. I'm not going to walk <laughs> off the ground. And it was, it's, it's actually quite humorous looking back. And I've met Jeff since and he's such a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. But on the field, he was um, a different cup of tea altogether. So uh, I actually didn't do much after that yeah. in that game. And uh, she's brought me in and out. I spent a lot of time, a lot of time on the pine that year. Yeah. But my favourite game that year was um, replacing Ronnie at three-quarter time at, against Hawthorne at Princess Park and getting cleaned up by Dipper. This is my first game against Hawthorne yeah. my, and some of my heroes are playing. Yeah. At that moment as a young football when you play against your heroes, yeah. it's really special. Yeah. Uh, but Dipper just cleaned me up down the middle uh, after I took a chest mark. I was just, you know, switched off and um, and he still laughs about it. Uh, which <laughs> so that's is, 83. That's 83 and I kicked six in the last three quarters and that was the day I felt I can actually play forward. Yeah. I didn't know I could. Um, oh, so you really – you're still thinking you're a ruckman at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Sheeds was always – he was uh, starting to get into me about – not get into me but in a positive way that he th- thought I could be uh, I could be a forward. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't really anyone had blazed the pathway for really tall full forwards at yeah, the time. Yeah, So I'm trying to cut my own, you know, yeah. uh, my own storyline, yeah. if you like. So that was, a, that was a turning point for me. That yeah. One. So you, you, you get through 83. Yeah. 83, we play off in the grand final. You played in the reserve grand final? Yeah, I did, yeah, and we won. And you won. Uh, and what do you remember about the infamous speech that night? Well, I remember uh, uh, a quick a quick backstory. Kevin Morris was a coach in 1983. Yeah. Halfway through the year, he came back to play and yeah. he played Rucker over to me all year. Um, anything I did beyond 83 in terms of transitioning to 84, I, I relate back to Kevin's input. Yep. He just protected me. I had some pretty angry teammates. And back then the reserves were full of guys who were on the fringe or too old. That's or, right. Yeah. You know, so it was packed of those, yeah. a smattering of young blokes, very different dynamic to what it is now. So Kevin played alongside me that as a 17-year-old. It was just a huge thing. Um, yeah, we won the won the game. Ronnie Andrews had been dropped to the reserves. Frank yeah. Donnell, I think, also yeah. missed out that year. What do you uh, remember about Ronnie's demeanour in the grand final? Because that was a big decision from the yeah. club at that time because he was one of the most revered figures yeah, with was, fans yeah. and players alike. It was a huge decision for Kevin at yeah. that time not to play him in the grand final. A lot of people still think to this day yeah. it was an error because Ron would have done or he would have taken out anyone they needed yeah. to take out that day. I just remember um, he, we had him at around the back line, the back half, full back, centre half back, and we had a guy named... Um, uh, Harry O'Callaghan down at full forward. Yeah, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Dirty Harry. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure Harry's his first name, to be honest. I've never actually found out. <laughs> but you've got these two beasts yeah. Yeah. at either end in the reserves. Uh, the presence of Ronnie Andrews in the reserves that day, I just, you just walked taller. <laughs> and he was just, he was, there's no left or right with Ron. And no. That day he was just straight ahead and he was mowing blokes down. And, and uh, we could only smile about it because I just felt so much braver. When someone like Ron Andrews yeah. in your team, uh, in the night you referred to, yeah, we sat together as a reserves team, yeah. uh, having so you're there celebrating. We won, yeah. yeah, and we didn't want to deny ourselves a good night. No. But I'm just being led along because I'm 17, so you know yeah. it's really I'm not I'm not a troublemaker. We had guys like Merv Harmis and Gary Sheldon, and Ron and Frank, all these real big personalities on yeah. that side. And of course, Kevin got made his speech about not accepting second best, um, and this is not a club he wants, you know, that he wants to drive forward and that man. So you know, as I recall it, anyone who's caught smiling or laughing tonight really doesn't have a place in this footy club. Is that how you recall yeah. it basically? Well, I wasn't there either but that's – Okay, you yeah, were there. Yeah. So uh, we were at the reserves table and I'm sitting three down from Ron and he said something quite – a little bit disparaging under his bat sheets because he'd been dropped yeah. and, and, you know, no, no, no effing idea or whatever that sort of thing is. I, I can't quite recall but he and a couple other boys – couldn't help but have a chuckle at that comment, you know. And it was just instinctive and we're half cut anyway because we've been drinking since, you know, the opening siren of the senior game. Um, And, of course, Ron was at Collingwood the next year and that made a huge impression on me because whether it was going to happen regardless, I don't know. But I remember just, again, being 17, 18, that she'd said that if anyone laughed, they're out. Mm. And it scarred me forever (laughs) because Ron was out. (laughs) And you thought he meant it. Well, I thought, you know, that's a pretty credible thing to yeah. do. I mean, you know, yeah. in future, and you get older and you, that all sort of, yeah. you know, dilutes itself. But at, at, in that sort of 18 to 23, 24 age group, yeah. I was, if she'd said something, yeah. it was going to happen as a consequence of doing something, then uh, I had no doubt that he meant it. So well, it's not a bad position for a coach to be in. 
Tell us about 84 then. What changed for you over the course of that summer? Um, Anything? Yeah, look, I, I had a belting. I, I remember I had a belting summer training. Yeah. I just remember I just was coming to my own physically. I was enjoying the gym. Yeah. Had you just decided as a player, okay, I'm going to make it? I'm, well, there's I'm, something else happened, yeah. Tim, you know, um, pre-Christmas. Uh, just uh, sorry, just post-Christmas 83, yeah. 84, sorry. Um, and uh, it was a very sad story, which I won't dwell on, but uh, a guy that I was catching a taxi to and from training with, um, the son of Bob Syme. Yes, Gary. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, tragically he took his own life over that period. And we were friendly. So you were pretty close? Well, I was close to a point of spending a lot of time with him in that commuting sense and yeah. training and we spent a lot of time together and, and it, it was my first exposure to that. So questioning how you don't see that, how you don't see that coming was really tough. And to hear the subsequent stories about how he, he might have, you know, done some planning around that it was really disturbing. And, but I dedicated everything I did to Gary, um, and this is actually probably the first time I've told this yeah. story, for, for whatever reason, it's a very personal thing. Everything I did from that point was um, in training was he couldn't be there for whatever reason, you know, he lost that opportunity and, and I either highlighted one of two things that I've got something that I can't waste, you know, an opportunity yeah. and that I'll do this for Gary. I, you know, this is something I think I can, you know, um, show respect to him for. And so I, I just trained, maybe I turned the volume up on everything and, and I just got really – I just had this overwhelming sense of um, I want to take this on. I just want to really uh, take every opportunity and I think I got a bit more, uh, for want of a better word, ruthless about the way – and I'm only 19, so, yeah. so yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when I – so when I took the field in the – against St Kilda around 1984, um, uh, I had no idea – I had no idea it was coming and nor was I ready for it. Yeah. Um, but, but when you, you – so, but just can I just go back a Please, little bit? Yeah. And that is, you sort of you've been a ruckman to this point. So, when was the decision made to be a forward? She did play me a bit forward in the summer and they yeah. practiced those practice matches. I hadn't done anything really to warrant full forward. Yeah. But again, I may be wrong in the detail, but I think one of my key forward teammates was out for the first round of 983, and it could well have been Roger. Yeah. Uh, through suspension. And the way she's put it to me, my selection was based on the fact that opportunity presented itself and yeah. I'll play out of the goal square. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember Rudy Webster coming up to me before um, that game at St Kilda round one, uh, who was our esteemed uh, sports psychologist. Yeah. Um, and he said, how many goals in his West Indian, how many goals do you want to kick today? And I said, um, I remember saying eight. Yeah. And I just, it's a ridiculous number yeah. to pull out of the hat. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He said, just go out and play the ones and the twos. You know, yeah. don't, you play your shots later. Um, and anyway, I, I kicked five in the first half. He came in at half time. He said, how many, how many have you got? And I said, I've got five. He goes, yeah. He said, play your shots now. Just go and play your shots. And I remember that that play your shots comment was yeah. something that, again, I was just a, a sponge for yeah. bullshit at the time, I think. And I, I thought I loved that. Yeah. yeah play. So I, I, for after that, I played my shots. And, and um, How many did you kick? I kicked, I only kicked, well, only, I kicked seven that day. Yeah. yeah. And so did Plugger at the yeah. other end. And then... Um, the next three weeks, the next actually two or three months were just um, were ridiculous. Yeah, you know, um, for me as a young man. When you mean when you say ridiculous, what? what do well, you I enjoyed mean? the ride. I'm yeah. not going to deny that. Yeah. But no, I was okay. I wasn't ready. How I many goals did you kick in the second week? Uh, seven and then eight. Yeah, and then five. And I, you know, but to was, to, to sort of to reflect on this period, it was like, um, you know, like John Coleman had been sort of those revered yeah. figure at yeah. the Essendon Football Club and still is to this day, I think. Hey, absolutely. You know, like you talk hey. about you know, Dickie Reynolds and you talk about uh, Herdy and you talk about Matt, but it's still really Coleman if you're talking to no the question old about Essendon that. people. But you were being likened to Coleman yeah. at this particular time, weren't you? I mean, it's pretty heady stuff for a young guy. It is. I didn't live in Essendon, so I didn't have to live with the uh, you know the barrage. I could get to home, go home to Ringwood, but I could no longer go down the shopping centre. I could go to a milk bar because I'm now six foot nine. And yeah, you can't, you know, you can't hide. Yeah. And that that was uh, a real emotional transition I had to make. Yeah, it was. But, you know, the, the era of getting all that publicity in front pages, um, yeah. I won't deny an element of enjoying it because yeah. it was a novelty. Yeah. But I have to be brutally honest and say I didn't enjoy going to the foot, going to training or or going to games anymore. What well, was it? Well, because I I was copying it from teammates a lot. Yeah. And and that I mean that era it was normal. Yeah. That ribbing would. Uh, oh, yeah. But it affected it affected you in a negative way. Well, ribbing slash bullying. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you, you think it was bullying as well, do you? Well, I couldn't. I don't know how what else you could call it. Yeah. You know. I, I Give think, me an example of what you're talking about. 
Oh, just uh, the dynamic in that. I mean, uh, I was there, but I'm not sort of familiar yeah. with, with what happened to you. Oh, know. no, well, you just um, – I think the um, the assumption from teammates, particularly older ones and, and maybe more disgruntled ones, is that you might be getting ahead of yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, or that you're getting full of yourself or yeah. that, you know, you, you believe the papers and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas I was really at the heart of it, at the core of it, I was just a young guy trying to consolidate my place in the team and yeah. I didn't see myself as anything else. No. So how I viewed myself as opposed to how other people were viewing me at the time and teammates, yeah. there was quite a disconnect, you know. Okay. So, you know, I just didn't enjoy going on the track because right. you know, the cameras were there and, you know, yeah. boys were always too, too ready to say, you know, you invited all the cameras. And I know it's all gentle and harmless, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just was... I but was, you were too young probably to accept exactly. it as just being... And there was no one external. Fun external-. banter, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's that's and there's fun. always that element. No, that's fun banter. Yeah, okay. But that's if, fun. Yeah, but if yeah. there's always that element within a footy club if somebody's mm-hmm. up here... You had to pull them down. That, like, that was sort of the way that it operated. Yeah, yeah but um, probably a bit uh, prematurely because yeah, oh, of you course. actually yeah, actually yeah. establish where that yeah, person yeah. is up there. Yeah, um, and I totally get the whole yeah. grounding yeah. Um, process of yeah. teammates if they're getting a bit. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was just a heady time. I, mean, yeah. I think I think it was in fairness to all the people around me too. It was probably new for a lot of. Yeah. I mean, you were a superstar and you had a lot of publicity, but I was a novelty value. I was a real novelty thing because yeah. of my height and yeah, because yeah. of yeah. so and and it was. And we were a good side yeah. going places. Yeah. So there's a lot of attention on yeah. the club. So I get it. And it was probably an interesting uh, period for some of my teammates to get their head around too. It was all happening so fast. But it was just such a boom sort of yeah. environment for me. Yeah. Um, but I, as I said, I come back to what I said at the start, uh, largely enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a novelty. Yeah. And, and you go from being at the back of queues at pubs and stuff yeah. to the front with drink cards and girls starting yeah. to talk to you, mate. It was actually, you know, it was a pretty cool time. Yeah. So I don't regret it. Um, How do you I, reckon you handled it then, that part? Um I was immature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I was a non-drinker at the yeah. time. As we all are at 19. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so how do I reckon I handle it? Uh, I'd like to think I handled it as well as I could. Yeah. But I reckon I probably butchered it maybe. You yeah. Know, because, you know, you, it's easy to lose focus and then you get distracted about what, what do people think of me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and what do my teammates think of me? And yeah. I just didn't um, – I didn't have – I hadn't established uh, enough rapport with enough teammates, particularly senior ones, yeah. to have that – Shoulder to lean on, someone yeah. I can talk to, and, um, yeah. and and actually someone even to guide me through that, and and have a crack back at blokes if they were. Yeah. I didn't have that protection. Do you think mechanism. Sheeds understood what you were going through? Nah, no. Sheeds was. Um, I don't think so. No. Uh, he he probably did his best to 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 wore it down at time, but it was mm. a. Yeah, you know, you're getting uh, you're getting articles written on on you about being the you know potentially mm. the first million dollar footballer and stuff in 1984 when you're getting mm. paid four grand a year. <laughs> you know, so, and then you're going through that doesn't, but it was also an early lesson in understanding that what people read they're going to largely believe. So yeah. now you're expected yeah. to be have the money to pay yeah. for stuff for people yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Why well, isn't it your shout? You're a yeah. tight ass. You know, that's a, yeah. well, I don't have any money. <laughs> can, can you imagine though <laughs> if that had happened today? Like because the game is so much bigger oh, than what yeah, it was back yeah. in '84. Like yeah. it's 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 sort of. And what you went through back in '84 was yeah. extraordinary for that time. But if yeah. it was happening today, like it would just be off the charts. Well, I don't know. Today is just phenomenal. The social media, the the scrutiny, all of that. Yeah, it's all it's, that. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, but okay, come on, just before we go further, sure. Just, just I want to because '84, you're at you know the peak of your powers. Everything's great. Yeah, and then. The knee. Uh, life-changing um, moment, yeah, without boring in, in it. In a second, yeah. In a second. I, I was actually in the ruck when it happened. Yeah. I'd taken the ball out of the ruck. I was rucking against – I'm still idolising opponents. Yeah. I'm, I'm rucking against David Cloak, you know. Yeah. At Victoria Park. And the message came from the runner, Fish, we need you to change the game. You know, we need, we need you to sh- have an impact. Yeah. It was a message from the runner, go in the ruck. So Simon went forward and I, I would just love that moment. Those, those 10 minutes before my knee were the most enjoyable 10 minutes of that year at that time almost, you yeah. know. Because I was showing people I could actually ruck, ruck as well, yeah. and play around the ground. So yeah, you're a young bloke. So yeah, I took it out of the ruck, and Rainsy, uh, Jeff Rains came inside. Yeah, he wasn't trying to inflict that sort of damage. I think he was generally trying to smother the yeah. footy. So my leg snapped around him. I had strong joints, you know, but so it was a pretty, uh, it was a very clean snap on the ACL. But you know, lying on the ground in uh, Victoria Park was a different perspective. My world. Did changed you know straight away? Yeah, I knew straight away. Well, I didn't know what an ACL no, felt like. No. But my, I had no control over my knee. Yeah. So it was bent. And you it was, was serious. It was, I, yeah. I couldn't catch it falling yeah. left or right. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was serious. Um, getting carried off in the stretcher was a novelty because – and I often, um, you know, joke about it, but the Collingwood crowd on the wing would, you know, yeah. knew my mother way too intimately. I said to mum, with a smoke this fire. Yeah. You know, it worries me. Um, got around to the, uh, the race and, and, in fact, the Collingwood supporters <laughs> – 
it was another really tangible lesson for me as a young footballer um, because I got spat on by Collingwood supporters on the stretcher, but I actually really quickly understood they weren't spitting on me, the brother-son friend. They were spitting on the jumper. Yeah, yeah. I hope they were at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I took it that way. So it was a good lesson to have. But my life changed really quickly um, on, on so many fronts, yeah, on yeah. so many fronts, because I didn't trust footy anymore. Yeah. And even uh, to be a little bit more um, uh, sort of uh, profound about it is that um, I couldn't think of – I wasn't introduced to anyone who really come back successfully from a knee reconstruction at the time. And you didn't – you followed only a year or two later. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But, you know, Neil yeah, was having – Neil Danner was having his yeah. struggles. Yeah. I mean, Butch Edwards came back, but he didn't have a lengthy career after no. he came back. So, you know, to be honest, um, and I'm asking you – I apologise, I'm asking a question of myself here, but I do get asked what are you – and you probably do – what are you most proud of with yeah. your footy career? And there's no doubt your premierships and stuff, but – Playing to me, playing three hundred games after my Rico mm. was the most the thing I'm most proud of. Yeah, yeah, because they, it was still experimental in those days. Very right? much, they experimented on me. I, mean, yeah. I was a bit of a guinea pig because they introduced some um, fibre cord called Dacron or something from the okay. states. They tried trialled it in the United States in NFL. So John Bartlett put two anterior cruciates together for me. I remember him at the end of my bed saying, "You have to get hit by a truck to do that again." Yeah. But he said the price. I'm making you pay is it's going to take a couple of years for you to straighten that leg because yeah. um, your height mechanics. Yeah. So they did a really tight injury and and that then created a lot of ripple effect injuries for the next five years, hamstrings, yeah. calves, that yeah. sort of stuff because the whole mechanics of my body were thrown out a bit. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't trust footy. I bought my first business at 19. I was married at 21, kids at 22. I, yeah. I, I wasn't going deliberately to do these things but football was no longer the centre of my universe. Yeah. yeah, it all changed for you. At that time. Absolutely. But yeah. you're also still obviously focused on coming back and playing because you got came, back in 85. Yeah. More and more determined. How difficult was it then because 84 was the first premiership for that group of Essendon players yeah. and you're on the sidelines and you know you would have been in that team, you know, yeah. front and centre at full forward in the ruck because of what you'd already done earlier. Was that difficult emotionally to sort of – Well, you're 19, you think you're, there's you're as good as we were, you think there's going to be another one but – yeah, I, I was terribly envious that yeah. day. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't a um, – I, I felt great for all my teammates, particularly, yeah. you know, Alan Ezard and Bomber and Mark Harvey, yeah. and, uh, these sorts of guys who um, I'd played, you know, a fair chunk of footy with leading yeah. up to that. Um, but, you know, my my great memory is um, standing at the end of the race, waiting for you guys to come back in um, off the field with your medals and the, and the trophy, and Terry asked me to come out and hold the trophy. It was just a great gesture on his behalf. Yeah. I felt a little bit involved. But, you know, you're never going to be in that premiership shot. No. So you're not a premiership player. And you no. get that at that point. But it, it creates a determination. And I, I channeled that pretty well. Um, but I, I was drinking heavily at the time and um, went on the footy trip to the US. You know, remember, you may vaguely remember the one, the big one through San Francisco and New Orleans and yeah. New York. It was just, I know I'd never travelled. So yeah. it was, and I got back from that and I wasn't in great condition, um, wasn't happy with myself. I'd probably cracked the sads because I didn't play in a premiership and knees still sore and yeah. bent. Um, but something triggered, I can't remember what, but I, yeah. I, I really knuckled down pretty hard. And to fast forward, um, I came back from – I actually, when the fixtures came out late 84 for next year, yeah. I circled the game I wanted to come back in in the reserves and then rather boldly I circled the next week, which was a senior game. And, and as fate would have it, that's how exactly how it played out. Yeah. So I had my goal. I was really focused on it. It happened. I only came back in that first game straight after reserves. I kicked 10 in the reserves at Waverley. Yeah. Arguably the worst thing that ever happened to me because his, that whole, back. his back yeah. crap that yeah. started. Yeah. And then Sheeds brought me in that week and, again, I'm too young. He says, are you ready to play this week? Because Roger was out yeah. again uh, for some reason or it was Terry. And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I should have said no. Yeah. Um, physically and emotionally I wasn't ready at all. Yeah. But, so I got um, uh, played at Victoria Park as fate would have it and um, – you know, I had a lot of scar tissue on my knee. It was still bent. I was, wasn't moving that well. Um, a great guy named, uh, was it Worthington? Yeah, Kevin Worthington. Yeah, yeah, nice guy. Um, he, was, he was all over me, uh, which is good. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in the reserves after that. Yeah. So indulge me. It's round 20 yeah. and I'm in the reserves. I'm getting one kick, mate. Yeah. I can't find the footy. And the finals are just around the corner. Yes, yeah. and are on top of the ladder. Yeah, I've told this story a number of times now and um, I'd given up. Yeah. Flat out giving up on it. And um, Sheeds came out to a, where I was. I, I, ran a, I owned a gym. Yep. He came out and picked me up and he said, let's go for a drive and I'll take all the mayonnaise out of the story, yep. which is really true. You know, the Red Saliga, Gels Park, um, sat outside of toilet box. He said, how are you feeling? I said, um, yeah, I, I said exactly that. I, I don't – I'm not there. I can't get there. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know why or how. Um, but he said, look, I want to make a deal with you. Uh, those are his words. Um, he said, you're coming out the training and it's bad. You know, you've got to remember you're six foot nine. The guys can see you dropped your shoulders, your head. You don't want to be there. I said, that's probably fair enough because you know, you're just going to yourself, you know, yeah. uh, a bit selfish about it all because you yeah, you have given up, flown the, put the white flag up and he said, if you come out to train and look like you want to be there, train the house down, I'll play you. Did said, you believe well, it? Well, I was a bit taken aback by it. Yeah. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, look, and I'll even play you if we make the grand final, I'll play you in that. He said that? I 100% said it. Yeah. I said, how can you do that? And I remember him saying, he said, I'm the coach, I can do what I want, right? And... Um, and I got in the car back so this with him. So this is round 20? Round 20, can't get the smile off my face. Yeah. I can't get a kick in the twos, mate. Yeah. I didn't, didn't even think about what anyone else would think. No one else was going to know. But I go to training that night and I know, I'm apart from the superstars, yeah. I'm the only bloke who knows he's got a game in the grand final, yeah. if we make it, yeah. right? It's such a huge weight off my shoulders. Very insightful on Kevin's behalf. He was pretty good at this. Yeah. Um, so I trained the house down. It was to my, by my standards, yeah. which was pretty mediocre anyway. I trained the house down. I, I got it that, that week in the twos uh, at Windy Hill and kicked 11. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's all mental. Yeah. Kicked seven in the senior. You put me in the seniors for the last round, uh, 984, five, sorry, and kicked seven against Sydney up in Sydney. And then I just got my chance in the grand final, which we won convincingly. And um, and I'd like to think I played my part. Elsha with a long shot. Salmon got the sit easily over O'Halloran and had his name on it. Decides to play on. He's gone for a hand pass. Harvey, goal number two. Essendon, brilliant. Boundary throw in. Uh, Merritt's picked up by Izzard. Salmon, oh. Be a dream come true, this fellow he's having today. And Salmon calling for the lead. He's in front now. Can he mark it? He's got it. Well, he's the danger man. There's the kick on its way. Right on the result, it's a goal. There it is, this one make the distance. Salmon's got a chance to mark it, he's grabbed it. It's not a, not a bad effort, six goals in the grand final either. And we've got about four minutes to go. He could finish up with 7-2 on a bit of an angle. And there's no worries about that. That's goal number six to uh, Salmon. And I think that he was just using me as a cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah. And it's a touch of genius, though, in being able to recognise that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I never I always thought him. I always thought he had that as part of his coaching. Like I always mm. thought that. I mean, I'm sure he misfired sometimes with the psychology yeah. of it all. But I reckon, to a larger extent, he got it right with yeah. that group, particularly that group of players at that so. time. I think so, and I, I've, I've held him in. You know, I've revered him ever uh, at the time and ever since. But because um, he, he got me that grand, yeah. he got me that premiership, and we um, were loaded. Like we were oh, loaded yeah. with tall players too. Mm. Like. Well, I've got some silly stories about that because he, he wanted me to learn off Roger and yeah. Vander and Terry and uh, yeah, these sorts of guys. Yeah. And we had a – it was a pretty potent front half, if you like. You it know? was. It was massive. Uh, um, Harvey was floating and, yeah. uh, and stuff. So there's some other anecdotes I, can, I won't bore you with about that. But it was an interesting – it was a great time. It was a, uh, an exciting time for the club. And, and then it got all disrupted in 86, 87 with various injuries and departures and other things. But I, I remember it really well. Well enough to know that you know, a few years later when you're leaving the club yeah. – uh, it was really important to never burn your bridges. I always valued the genius that getting me that premiership over anything else yeah. that was needed because I, I think he, to some degree, stuffed my career up in the early mid nineties too yeah. in terms of not unleashing me when he could have. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why he couldn't or didn't. You know, yeah. my body and I totally get that in team balance and bringing other blokes in and yeah. developing them. But I, I did know at 30, 30 going thirty one that uh, as either retire or for me or to take one last shot at my title yeah. which, and my title was to find out yeah. you know because I was just envious at 31 of all the boys I played with had got to play their best position yeah. for a long time so I wanted, to, I wanted to have a crack at that. So what did he hold you back? I mean I've never really understood. I know there are other ruckmen there yeah, and I, yeah. I, I I think probably in his own mind he's saying okay well, it's easier to find a ruckman than it is somebody that can be yeah. a key forward. Like, Look, is that I'm, sort of how you thought he thought about it? I didn't overanalyze it. I'm I'm now late twenties. I think you expect a lot from me as a leader and um, and someone that uh, you know would take on the challenges that he presents. Um, he always said to me that he didn't have many options out of the goal square. Uh, he was trying to develop Peter Somerville, Steve Alessio, yeah. um, and I understood that. And we got some great results, 1993. You know, and yeah. I accepted that. I was, but I, I must admit, for ten years, I'm not sure how many players spend ten years of their footy career. Um, at least believing themselves that they're playing an apprenticeship role yeah. to, to, and I had no real issue with that because Simon Madden was one of the all-time greats, yeah. and I respected that. 
but you get to a point after seven or eight years where you think you can take the title. Yeah. Whether you can or can't, yeah. you want a shot. And I didn't really I, – I, I'm really proud of what Simon and I did together. Yeah. If you look at – if you were to look at the goals we kicked in as a collective over that 10 years, you know, it's a pretty rare – yeah, um, combination. combination yeah. I'm really happy with that. Um, uh, but there did come a time, and 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 I don't know if Kevin would um, admit it or not, but I felt I was ready yeah. emotionally, physically, to lead the side from the centre, yeah. and to drift forward. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get that dynamic shifted, and um, my body was failing me, Tim. So, and I had average years after '94. I had my Achilles reconstructed at the end of '94. My groin's done at the end of '95, and I'm 31. There's a lot of lot to yeah. suggest I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. I, I yeah. understand from. His Can I take you back to '93 then? Because we sort of sure. bypassed '93. Yeah. What do you remember? Well, you played in the 1990 losing grand final. Yeah. You talk about it is. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the highest point you can have in your career is is a winning grand final. Yeah. But the lowest point you can possibly have is is a losing. That's how it felt for me. So, like yeah. in some ways, I don't think I've ever got over the 1990. I've got over it, but yeah. it's still. Haunt is probably a strong word to Equal use, way, but doesn't it? I still think about yeah. that missed opportunity in 1990. Is that similar to how you think about that year? Or? Yeah, it is. No, no question. Um, I, I, but I use 1990 in such a positive way for the next 10 years of my footy career. I didn't know I had 10 years left. Yeah, yeah. But because um, I remember starting okay that that game, um, but you I, kicked the first goal of the game, didn't you? In 1990, the grand final. I could well have, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I had four shots in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. I should have kicked four in the first. I'm not not saying that. No, 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 no. But I think you actually came out, took the first mark of the game, went back and kicked the goal. I was up and about. Yeah, you look like you were I wanted to take the game apart. But uh, but when Collingwood started to take the game away from us after quarter time and and there's that inner ruckman in me saying, Simon, let me go, let me have a crack, yeah. But there was no changing. I didn't get a shot in the ruck all day. All day? No. Because I think what I did in the first quarter – had she's maybe thinking that, you know, if the delivery starts to come again or the flow yeah. starts to happen, then I might just. But no, and I, and I feel, and this really eats at me, and I'm yeah. really angry with myself. I feel like I spectated that day. Yeah, uh, it's well, largely, the ball wasn't getting down there a lot. No, no, and when it, it was really scrappy, but that's okay. You, you have those days. Um, but I'm taking full responsibility. I just felt like I didn't have the impact, and I. Didn't force myself on Simon because uh, I was yeah. I was in awe of him. So she, and the, and I actually had conversation with Sheeds after that year. That you know what I find extraordinary about this though, and you know, like I, it's not something I've thought a lot about. But here you are telling me that on this particular day, a coach who was known for shuffling his team around extensively yeah. didn't actually make that move. On that particular day? Yeah, but again, Simon and I should take responsibility for that. But I couldn't – Simon had a beautiful deafness about him on the footy field. That <laughs> and I, you know, so no he, one, so no one loves – he was supposed to change a bit more than what he did. I don't know. Look, I, he, he called the shots. Yeah. Um, I was still the, you know, you know, the junior, yeah. and which is fine, but I'm 25 or 6. Yeah, and yeah, I, I get that. Um, but uh, Simon, uh, who – no one loves Simon more than I do, I don't yeah, think, as a yeah. teammate and a person. Yeah. Um, but I reckon I got that wrong on that day. Yeah. I could have maybe imposed myself more. And I just – I just promised myself from that day forward in terms of my playing and my leadership, whatever it was at the club, that I would I would not let that happen again. I would impose myself when the time came in, in yeah. terms of making changes. And Sheeds actually handed over control of ruck changes after that grand final to Simon and I on the ground. Is that right? Yeah, okay. he said, you guys call the shots. Because yeah. you know, largely he was still calling them from the box. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a, a healthy shift yeah. outcome from the game. Yeah, so 1990 was painful. Um, but I, I was doing a lot of handball shows at the time with Tony Shaw and I saw him outside after the game and, and went over to him and congratulated him on his performance and uh, – and it was that moment where I, I also also recognised the two sides of the coin and um, I was happy for him yeah. in a really begrudging sort of way. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that fire burnt really loud on two fronts, losing a premiership and wanting to get back and win another one. And personally, um, Simon also played the first – didn't play the first half of 1990. No. Because uh, he's back. He was yeah. having a lot of trouble. That, no, that's, and I was playing ruck. And this is what compounded the ruck issue on that day grand final day because I played – Ruck for the first half of 1990, and um, uh, this sounds terribly self-indulgent, but as a player, you look for little areas of your pockets of your career where you can hang your hat. Yeah. And um, I remember um, after round 10 or 11 in 1990, I was leading the Brownlow and the best and fairest at the club, and I took that with me to Hawthorne. Yeah. So when I, I can do this, you yeah. know, um, if I'm given the responsibility, I know I can do it, and that um, and that was a so I used 1990 in a really constructive way moving forward. Yeah. 
Um, but never begrudge Simon his greatness or no, he's a great he was. player. I uh, think the point I was making. My more, time was going to come. Yeah, it was was more about you know, like Sheed's sort of you know, from the yeah. from the coach's box thinking. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, here we should make more of a change. Here we should sort of try and mix this up a bit. Because you know what, Tim? If he showed he me the tape, afraid, he was never afraid to mix it up. Like yeah. that's not something that he was ever concerned to do. That's my recollection. You know, you might show me the tape of the ninety grand final. There might be little. Time, little moments where I was in the ruck. I can't remember them. Yeah. To this day, I can't remember if I actually yeah. took a centre bounce that that day. Yeah. Um, now, now we're yeah. going to run out of time. Yeah, sure. If we don't, and I want to touch on '93 yeah. and your yeah. recollection of. I'll keep it short. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, no. It's just it's been great, but of course we, we've got a time factor here that we have <laughs> yeah. to adhere to, and that you know '93 to me was the most extraordinary year mm. because of all this young, precocious talent. Yeah. But no one really knew how good they were because they're in their second year of football yeah. and no one's yeah. really built a massive reputation in their second year of football. We all know now that yeah. you know, they all went on to become you know, like yeah, very absolutely. good, you know, great players, mm. you know, Dustin and James and Mercury and Nassie, all those guys. Yeah. But what when you think about 93, what sort of thing comes to mind first? Oh, I can tell you pretty succinctly it was an exciting um, time, a scary time because um, you had 92 off yeah. um, and 92 also signaled the end of Terry and Simon's career. Yeah. So it was a real transition happening at the footy club. We're losing three, we'd lost one icon, we're losing another two. Um, we'd finished 10th in 92, yeah. uh, struggled our way through that year, blooded a few youngsters, didn't know them very well. I remember you weren't back at the club officially when this meeting happened and, and myself, Bomber was captain and I was vice and I think Mark Harvey was deputy and Gary O'Donnell was yeah, the four of us were brought into the yeah, group. Yeah. So we're in this room with Sheets, and this is how I recall. And Sheets said, what do you want to get out of 1993? And we said, well, we're just unsure. He said, well, it's going to be a super challenging year. You know, it's, a, it's your team now, basically. Um, he said, uh, do you know much about your young teammates? And all of us collectively said, not really. And we played with them and trained with them for a little while. But he said, look, you got, we've got some super young talent coming through. Um, so he said, don't be, uh, don't be afraid to be brave. Yeah. basically with your your goals and stuff and uh, I don't he, none of us even thought about premierships but um, he said how do you want to manage them and I think uh, collectively we remembered our uh, particularly Bomber and Harves and I remembered our early 80s experiences of um, a whole apprenticeship you know speak yeah. when you're spoken to and we said we just wanted to give them their head you yeah. know um, encourage them and, and we wanted to bring them in quicker you know that was you know fast tracking the yeah. first first Maybe first year of fast tracking young talent. We kind of wanted to and, and encourage their their um, personality on the yeah. on the training track and feel. So that was great. Then you came back, which you know initially I was I was um, not in favour of that idea. Not that it was my decision of you coming back because I thought you know, the baton's been passed. Yeah. You know, yeah. but in retrospect, it was a and I'm not just you know um, wanting to embarrass you, but it was a great thing to happen to this group. You know, you being in that mix because you added so much off the field that. Uh, I wasn't ready to provide, and yeah. maybe even Bomber wasn't. But um, so it was a masterstroke, and your contribution was enormous. I know you take the, the Mickey out of yourself or the one kick in the ground. What that's irrelevant. Some of the stuff you did that year, but it was a perfect mix, perfect storm. And I think um, you know, going into round six in '93, we were um, I think one win, one draw, and three losses, something mm. like that. Yeah. And that was that Geelong Essendon game at MCG where um, I did uh, well and Gary Ablett did well. And we got a lot of belief from yeah, don't, that game. Don't, don't gloss over that though because Ablett kicks 14 at one end yeah. and you kick 11 at the other end. Like, like 10 at the other end. Sorry, yeah. 10. Yeah. yeah. And the two key forwards, each with six goals. Salmon going for his sixth. Salmon has got his sixth. Hills or Hurd, Ablett. Step, number 10. Ford looking for Salmon. He does well, does very well, does extremely well. Magnificent stuff by Salmon. Has Scott, long kick, Adler. Good use of the body, great mark. Adler for his 12th, the Cats need one. And he's kicked one. And off the left foot. Oh! Well, this shot will put Geelong in front if he kicks accurately. And 13 goals to Ablett, Geelong lead. An extraordinary day. It was, I was in the stands watching that day because okay. I hadn't actually come back and started playing yet. And right. it was just the most yeah. extraordinary thing to see sort of this domination of one player at one end of the ground. Yeah. And the other, because as soon as the ball went over halfway, yeah. immediately everyone started to think, <laughs> Yo, you know, one end, where's Ablett? Yeah. And at the other end, where's Salmon? You yeah. Know? yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was an amazing 
uh, game do you part of? For me, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone's ever kicked 10 goals in a league game and felt so pedestrian. Yeah. Because watching Gary at the other end, oh, he was it was showtime. He yeah. could do anything. I yeah. couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but it was – and I uh, remember doing my hamstring um, in the – halfway through the third quarter and I came out three-quarter time and um, Reedy, Bruce Reed, the doctor, he uh, checked it out. I had no, nothing in it. And he said, oh, that's it, mate. That's your day um, and you're going to miss a couple with that. And I said, oh, yeah. I shrugged my shoulders and she said, yelled out to me. He said, how many you got? And I knew well how yeah. many I had. I said nine. And he said, you want ten? I swear to God this happened, mate. <laughs> and I said, yeah, kind of sheepishly, yeah. yeah. And he goes, you've got five minutes. And I looked at Reedy and Reedy said, Sheeds, he's no good. He's, he's done his hamstring. He said, let him go and have a crack for five, something to that effect. Yeah. So I went out and I got this soft free kick in the goal square in two minutes into the last quarter. I got my 10th. So I had 10-6 and I took off and um, uh, Steve Alessio came on and kicked three in the last quarter for us. So the forwards had a day out that day. And yeah. Gary, look, and to win that game, um, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I had, but I missed a couple of games after that. I think the team got a lot of belief out of that day. Yeah. And I think um, that sort of snowballed yeah. as the year went on, yeah. yeah. Now we – I'm not sure how much time we've got to, to left Can't be long. To, to, to talk about sort of the Hawthorne days. But okay. the, I guess the departure from, from Essendon, um, was it a relief to get out of the, the club at that time? Um, was it – Good word. No, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Was, it, was it sort of like a – I was uh, torn, mate. Yeah, was it distressing? Yeah, it was. I, I was so wedded to the Essendon footy club. Um, like you, you get there very young and um, it's a huge part of my life I, and I didn't know anything else. You kind of become brainwashed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, but having said that, one year after winning that premiership, I went to Sheeds and, who had always said, and I think you'd recall him saying this, if you're not 100% committed to this club, you've got to tell me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as a, as a vice captain at the time, I felt really obligated to go to him and say, I don't think I can wear this jumper the same level of yeah. you know, that you want yeah. and my teammates would expect of me. Yeah. Uh, just trying to be really honest and um, I got convinced that I should stay. I was in the middle of a five-year contract. I've been the anti-Christ of five-year long-term contracts ever since. I don't yeah. think they're good for club or player. Maybe different nowadays, of course. But um, uh, so I didn't. I wasn't allowed to go at the end of 94. In 95, I struggled. Um, I couldn't raise a knee because of my groins. And yeah. I battled with 12 games in 95 and um, I, no club had any reason to – back me in I don't know yeah. but I, I was very at the end of 95 she's coming we caught up at the Hilton his office and he's with Danny Corcoran yeah. and they both felt that um yeah that my body was failing me and I didn't see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel so they we agreed that I I said I do want to have another shot at somewhere else yeah. and they said we'll help you get to wherever you want to go yeah so um after that was my after 14 years at the club at that time uh 15 years it was um a, yeah pretty traumatic you know, um, so what did Hawthorne promise you on the other side? Uh, nothing. I, I remember sitting down with Ken Judge and Peter Swab at Judge's home, and they said, "You know, we've got a big job ahead of us." I, they, I'm pretty sure they're aware of the merger prospects the next year, but I wasn't told about them. No. The job they were referring to was 1995. Hawthorne finished second bottom, yeah. and you know. Lang Chris Langford was playing, trying to play out of Sydney and they were losing champions and stuff and the big transition going on. But I felt that I could play a role. Yeah. Back for Hawthorne as a kid. Um, Did mate, they feel that they could get your body right as well? Or because they're pretty, they, they, were, they were pretty sure. They said, how do I, they asked me how I felt about my body and I said, look, I don't know if I can trust it. Yeah. But I do know and I can promise you that um, I won't leave a stone unturned. Yeah. To get it right. So did you did you then have that same determination? You talk about sort of going into the eighty four season. Did you, you have know, that same? You, you nailed it, mate. Yeah. You nailed it. I'd, I'd reckon there's only a you know there's only a handful of times in anyone's career where you can you plug into that level of determination yeah. and commitment and um, drive. And I I became not um, so much a different person. I was able to reinvent myself at Hawthorne. Yeah. Because I was. You had no baggage of, of no baggage. I'd walk into the Essendon Footy Club and there was an expectation on how I behaved. Yeah, and there was a bit of smart aleck about it. It was a bit yeah. of playfulness and a bit of all that sort of stuff. And I could go to Hawthorne and I could knuckle down. Yeah, and uh, I was still the same me, but yeah. I I picked and I chose my battles, you know. And yeah, but um, a lovely little anecdote um, was my first week at Hawthorne. I'm working out in the gym doing as. I became yeah. renowned for doing yeah. some extras, yeah. um, trying to get to know my new teammates. And um, 
One thing that struck <laughs> me about the Hawthorne Footy Club in Glenfrey was the doors were always open. Yeah. Now, your recollection of Essendon might be different to mine, but the doors were always closed and yeah. no one was allowed in the gym at Essendon um, and Kevin was always wary of who was in the rooms, you know. Yeah. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, that'd be, yeah, be true. Yeah. Um, so I, now I went to an environment which was open door and, and this guy came off the street and he was in his Hawthorne beanie and, and uh, you know, um, what do you call it, the duffel coat and stuff. And he came in and and he was for the – I think the first guy I met was genuinely excited to see me and he said, Fish, you know, it's great to have you. He's very inviting. I said, mate, should you be in here? It really threw me off my game. Yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, I come in all the time. And the boys, all the guys that I was training with said good day to him. His name was Ralph or something. And I said, oh, I'm just worried that I might drop a weight and you hurt yourself. Yeah. Over, you know. But my last 15 years had been yeah. no one's yeah. allowed in here. Yeah. yeah, this is not a place for spectators or fans. So um, I was concerned. I went up to John Hook, the footy manager afterwards, <laughs> and I said, Hooky, we've got a problem. He goes, what is it, Fish? And um, he said, I said, oh, we've got people walking off the street coming to the change rooms, mate. And he just looked at me and Hooky was, you know, a bit partial to the odd swear yeah. word, so I'll drop the swear word. But he basically said, welcome to Hawthorne, Fish. Yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. Uh, most of that moment, again, I, I have these moments and probably everyone does, but I had this moment where actually this is what I'm looking for and, and, and it's not the club's job to adjust to me. It's yeah. my job to adapt to them. Yeah. And I'm walking down corridors looking at photos and pictures and meeting people like Alan Jeans and uh, thinking uh, my heroes of my childhood. And I was just, I was like a kid in a lolly store. You yeah. Know? So it was a great place to be at 31. Yeah. A, a right place. place for you at that time. Perfect place, yeah. And extraordinary too. And uh, I don't want to gloss over this, but extraordinary that in that time that you spent at Hawthorne, which was five years, yeah. that you would then be deemed to be part of their team of the century. I mean, that yeah. is extraordinary. That's, no, not, no a, that's not a long career. <laughs> that's, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, you know, what I, I – Were you blown away by that acknowledgement? Yeah. Ivan Moore, who is a very – he's passed away, God bless him now. Um, he, uh, he was the one who broke the news to me, yeah. came to my office. Um, and my instinctive response to that was obviously, wow, that's a huge yeah. honour, but it was questioning it. I said, are you sure that's a good idea? You yeah. know, um, how do you justify that? Um, so I, I do remember talking quite openly about that selection because um, it probably didn't sit super well with me then and uh, although the most significant honour, personal honour I probably received in footy was yeah, that, yeah. Um, he said, Paul, um, we've, we've exhausted this selection process. There's eight of us on the panel. He said, um, we're picking a side to represent Hawthorne in the game tomorrow, the best side we can pick. Mm. Um, and there's no in there he, in Ivan's words he said in our mind there's no better choice for the second ruck to Don Scott than you yeah and I I'd, I'd never really considered it um, that scenario but that's the way they pick their side and I remain to be incredibly humbled by it um, incredibly proud of it yeah. but also um, uneasy yeah <laughs> at the same time but it's not a frivolous football club like it's not a club no, it's that not. would make a decision like that without. The due consideration given to that. No, I respect that, and I've had my not my battles at all. I've had people, um, Jeff Kennett, um, who I love crossing paths with. Um, he's miffed by it and remains to be so. And <laughs> and everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah. I know when I look at that team of the century yeah. painting yeah. that that uh, was done for the Hawthorne team of the century, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in that side that's not pure Hawthorne. That came from another club. So, and the other little nice postscript to all that, Tim, yeah. is I told you about growing up being a yeah. Hawthorne supporter and mad loving yeah. Peter Hudson. You could not have dreamt in your wildest dreams that at 31 I'd go to play my first season at Hawthorne. I'd finish five seasons later, and they would make the team at team of the century. And that 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 the paint the guy the artist Cooper, yeah, Jamie Cooper, Jamie, excuse me, Jamie, um, he painted me with my arm around Peter Hudson in that painting. Yeah. I mean, Without knowing there's no, your idolisation of yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, I, you couldn't yeah, ever that, pick that. That is extraordinary. So yeah, yeah. can I ask you this then? And it's like the question, who do you love most, you know, this child or this child? Yeah, but it, is, it is. I know what you're going to do. Yeah. Hawthorne Essendon, after all of this, where do you feel like your heart yeah. is? Um, strangely, the uh, the troubles that Essendon found themselves in over the past few years have drawn me closer to the place. Yeah. I retired from football even though I went back to Essendon for a year at, at 37. I retired very yeah. feeling very much a Hawthorne person. Um, what they did for me in that time, the life-changing experience that five years was I could not deny. People find that hard to understand because I played in premierships at Essendon and yeah. I don't deny those either. Yeah. But just for purely a selfish personal reason, um, my family started to love football again. Yeah. And, and that was a significant thing because at Essendon, my latter years there, um, 
none of them did. And yep. none of them really liked the footy club. Um, so living and playing in that environment at home, away from it, was difficult. Um, my family were all Hawthorne, mad Hawthorne supporters now, uh, wife, kids, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and I, I have a incredibly passionate love of that footy club. Having said that, I share a very similar feeling towards Essendon. It might be hard for people to yeah. understand that. Yeah. No, I've watched Bachelorette when they get down yeah, to two yeah. and they say they love them. Can you, yeah, that's right. <laughs> a bit, it is a bit like that. And it's such a nonsensical question anyway because – but everyone likes you to have alignment. Yeah. Um, but I'm uh, – when the phone rings in a session and footy club, I love to help if I can. Yeah. And the same goes for Hawthorne. I know it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence, but I've been honest with you as I can. Yeah. I retired Hawthorne, um, but as I'm getting older – I, I love going to watch both clubs play. I love football, um, and I carry. There's no. There's no reason for me to be bitter about anything. I, I take a, all the responsibility for what happened in my footy career. Um, although people that do have control and make key decisions about you, um, at, at a certain window, got it wrong yeah. in relation to me. Yeah. And I don't. That's okay. I hope I made amends when I went to Hawthorne and showed that at least I backed up my words with my actions in that period. And post footy. Yeah. Have you been happy and comfortable? Did you make that transition yeah, smoothly? Good. Well, I, um, back early in this interview, we spoke about not trusting footy at that time when I did my knee and, and my life became so much fuller at yeah. that moment. So it was family. It was um, – I bought my first business at 19. I've, re, I've you know, I'm pathologically deluded thinking that I'm going to, you know, I, I'd make a on good businessman. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do. I still want to take on the world. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm doing now is exactly that. Um, so yeah, I've been in business and, and I've made – I've done well, I've done poorly, yeah. I've, it's been a, quite a ride um, but I know how I'm wired and I accept that as yeah. a person um, and I think after all these years of being in business and starting my own business, this is my now fifth startup, um, I'm pretty good at it. I, I've actually, um, you know, I'm pretty – and I know myself well and I think yeah. I'm really ready now as a businessman to, to do well um, and I hope I can. Yeah. yeah. And just one final question then. Yes. If you could change one thing about your career, what would it be? If you could just change one thing, go back in time and change one thing. Change one thing. Yeah. Um, I would not grab the ball out of the ruck ever again. <laughs> in 84. <laughs> yeah. And I never did after that. I don't think I ever did do it after that. Um, yeah. yeah. Now that would be the one thing I'd change. But you don't uh, – grabbing the ball out of the ruck as a 19-year-old is youthful exuberance yeah. and blissful unawareness, uh, lack of awareness around – you know, could have dished a handball. Um, had lots of options in that split second, but I took the one which was all about me. So I've tried not to ever since then. Well, mate, we're running out of time. Uh, we could have gone on for a lot longer, but obviously we have time constraints. But it's been <laughs> yeah, great catching up and having a chat to you. Good to chat to you, Tim, always, mate. Um, and I love your work. You know that, man. Make sure you follow Talking Footy on Twitter, at Talking Footy, and use the hashtag TalkingFootyPod. Like the show? Well, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We're talking footy.